This episode was brought to you by The Social Fishing Membership, Australia's fastest growing freshwater platform, giving you the resources to catch more fish. Welcome to The Social Fishing Podcast. My name is Reese Creed. I'm a passionate angler and I want to share as much as I can about the sport we all love. On this podcast, we speak to incredible anglers, sharing a wealth of priceless knowledge, all to help you reach your fishing dreams. Thanks for joining us today. Now let's begin. Welcome to episode 85 of the Social Fishing Podcast. It's great to be back. And in this one, we are going to be talking about trout and more specifically, trout down in the famous Crater Lakes in Victoria. We did a recent trip down there to map Bull and Merai, Lake Parambit, and on the way, we stopped in at Lake Wendery in Ballarat. Three very popular trout lakes and very famous for their big trout. They hold brown trout, rainbow trout, a range of other species, including tiger trout. They also have redfin. Uh, Bull and Merai does not, but the rest of them have redfin. And Chinook salmon. The Chinook salmon are a trophy target in Lake Bull and Merai, and it is regarded as the best Chinook salmon fishery in the country. All three of these lakes were very, very different. Wendery is not a crater lake. It's right in the town of Ballarat, but the other two are crater lakes. All three of them, very, very different. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about Beat and Bull and Marrow and the trip we just went on. Now, I was lucky enough for this episode to have Chris Musket join me. Chris is one of our report writers and contributors for the southwest region of Victoria and he writes a monthly report on these lakes. He fishes them and he knows people who get out there and chase them on a regular basis and he puts together reports inside our SF membership. He's done a lot of fishing out there and in this episode, we talk about his backstory, how he got into fishing, but we also touch on these two key lakes, what we learned on the trip we just did, how we went about it, how Chris chases them, and some of the lessons and styles of fishing down at Parambit, including using bent minnows, which if you've never done before for trout, you have got to give a go. It is the closest form of surface fishing for trout with lures that you will get. You can obviously wake bait for them in the dark. It is a popular technique, but using the bent minnows is so much fun. I had an epic time throwing them up in against the weeds and that's where they work really well is fishing tight in against weed beds, in against the pockets and you're basically twitching them back and getting the reactions from big trout that think they're onto a feed that is an injured bait fish. Awesome style of fishing which we talk about in this episode plus a few things that we're learning about it and different ways to increase hookup rates and Chris and I discuss that in detail in this episode along with an understanding, a bit of an overview of the two different lakes, how they fish, what they're like, their landscape, their water clarity. So much stuff in this episode. So if you're looking to fish Parambit or Bulamara for the first time, or if you're looking to catch more fish from those lakes, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, let's jump in the chat with the one, the only, Chris Musket. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the podcast. I'm recording this one on the road. I am not far off actually going to visit Chaffee, but I was only three days ago down in and fishing around the Crater Lakes with Chris, mate. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. I'm keen to know, get to know a little bit more about you or to share a little bit more about your fishing story, but also Parambit and Bulamera, which are places that you absolutely love to fish, eh? No worries. It's great to be here. It's uh Real awesome to be on the podcast after listening to pretty much every episode. It's good to be uh, yeah. featuring on one, which is pretty exciting for me. 
<laughs> we had a good trip, didn't we? I obviously didn't oh. fish with you, but we were there, camped together, fished yeah. in two different boats. You stayed a little bit longer than me. It was it was good to come down and explore your part of the world, mate. It was awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a great place down there at Lake Parambi. Oh, not to mention Bulamerai as well. But, um, yeah, it's, it was an awesome trip, like plenty of stuff happening. So I was excited to get to talk about it. So, mm. yeah. What did you – you ended up – so you, you fish it – quite regularly you're at the reports in the membership for uh Parambit, Bulamera and that sort of southwest Vic area what did you you just let's talk about this bent minnow stuff because oh, that was all you were telling me about before I got there and it's I, so um, much fun eh yeah it's great like to be honest with you I'm sort of new into the bent minnow stuff I would normally target trout on hard bodies and baits and um you know, other various lures, but, uh, yeah, I've got into these, these bent minnows and it's just so addictive. Like seeing trout explode onto a, onto a surface lure is like one of the best. Cool. Eh? It. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. Me, me and Lockie were just ecstatic to get our first view on the bents. And, uh, yeah, now we're just, every time we go there, it's hard to pick up another lure, to be honest. Like it's, mm. You know, the, the OSPs, the DNA lures, yeah, they're just so awesome. Yeah. They're super effective there because of the weed, hey? They're, yeah. So run us through the technique. How, how do you run us through the technique that will you use and I'll add how I sort of yeah. gave it a crack. It's the first time. Oh, I tried it at Talbingo and we yeah. worked up there and we were there not long ago. It'll work anywhere for trout where they sort of sit shallow. Yeah. The weed is the key for them because you yeah. can't really fish all that deep there because you just hit weeds. So you need to either fish a lightweight of plastic or wind it quick or a hard boy yeah. that doesn't get down yeah. or a bent minnow in the weeds. Yeah. So run us through the approach, the technique, yeah. how you do it, the retrieve, yeah. and also the fact that the hookup rate and what you've been trying yeah. to do or what you're going to do for your next yeah, trip because the hookup rates are painful. Yeah. So my the first thing I like to do is um, I've got the particular ba- uh, banks that I like to fish. Um mm-hmm. I like to pick the little pockets in and around the weed because I find yep. that fish are sitting generally in that, like we've, we discussed it when we we're away, um, the fish are sitting in that tall, weedy grass from like that comes up from the bottom. And uh, I try and pick those little pockets out with the minnows. Uh, you can do it with like, gen- like normal diving hard bodies and that as well. But I, chuck, mm-hmm. I like to cast the minnow into those little pockets and my retrieve is, uh, I, I change it up a little bit, but the most common one that I do is a fairly vigorous uh, twitch back to the boat and constant wind. But I have also caught them pausing lures, you know, with a quick twitch retrieve and then a, a slow, maybe 10 second pause and then yep. back to my retrieve. Um, but I, I think it just, you have to sort of, um, just roll with the punches on the day and see what what the fish are uh, into interested in, in taking on that particular trip, I suppose, or session, I should say. But um, yeah, that's that's how I would approach it. Um, yeah, and it's the pocket stuff in the weed yeah, that's fun, the, eh? The pocket, yeah, it's fun. I was doing some mad casts. I was yeah. doing some casting some dumb spots. I'm like, I'm gonna get smoked here, but yeah, because it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like that's sometimes I. When you when you're casting into a pocket that's over some weed and like you're like oh man I, sh- I should not have thrown that there, and then 
getting hit in that in those pockets and trying to get a fish out over it is quite fun. But um, yeah, it's it's all part of it. It's all part of the experience. So yeah, it's good. And what what was size were you running? I was running the Berkeley ones, which are like a hundred mil. The yeah. OSP ones are about 100 mil as well, or just shy of 100 mil. They come in a bunch of different sizes yeah. depending on the brand from like yeah. 70 to 80 to 90 to 100 mil, yeah? Yeah. So I was actually running the 100 mil uh, Berkeleys for the first time because I normally yep. use the 70 mil OSPs. I think they're 70 or 75, but yeah. Yep. Uh, I normally use the OSPs and, and we also ran the 70 mill dna lures so i think he's a little uh, uh lure maker that makes them out of i think they're timber to be honest so i'm not not too sure but they're actually quite good as well so we're running those three uh, when you, you saw my rods i had all three mm. on there at the same time like ready to go so yeah they were the three that yeah. i was running yeah and i found it yeah i found it so much fun and the hookup rate was terrible so you cast in Fish either yeah. outside wet edge of the weed, in the pockets in between the weed or in behind the weed. Like a constant... I did a lot of pausing, but I found yeah. that they just didn't want to eat it. It's like that you yeah. had to get that reaction bite out of them. So it was yeah. like twitch yeah. it and keep it twitching, keep it twitching. Yeah. Um, I had so many swipes, so many taps, yeah. so many fish that just didn't stick. Um, I yeah. landed... I think I landed two on bent minnows, a tiger and a chinook, and I got yeah. smoked by a good brownie. Your run us through your entire session and trip. You were on your own for the first day. We had yeah. the best wind. How good was the wind oh, on that, that first day? That was that was that reminded me of fishing Port Phillip Bay for snapper in fifteen or twenty knot winds. It was just unbelievable. Like I, I, I was saying to Lockie on the last day, like my body, I actually felt like I I played. You know, I was I went to the gym or played soccer or something the day before <laughs> because I was I was cooked. Absolutely cooked, and, and we fished pretty hard to be honest. Like, yeah, yeah, it was so choppy. Um, but I found was it windy the next two days, or no, it was good. It calmed off. It did calm off, but it still wasn't great. The best session was probably the Monday afternoon, but yeah, yep. we fished till about I'd say six o'clock and and pulled the pin. Um, just yep. on that sort of. Probably should have stayed a little bit longer, but we were just so tired. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I, I found that the fishing the first day on the Saturday morning in that rough um, in the rough conditions was actually the better, yeah, the better day activity. Yeah, so ended up. Yeah, we had a good arvo in the fifty k yeah, wins. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like in that morning and the afternoon session, it was that was the best day's fishing, I reckon. But um, yeah, it was pretty you hairy there. Push through for, the wind. For <laughs> yeah we had waves coming over the front and um, yeah. what i found from that was we pushed through fishing in the areas with the wind and then the bite that evening yeah. was quite good in the area that was affected by the wind yeah. for that definitely. entire day yeah yeah um it, yeah it was a great trip so we yeah. actually will run through what i planned and did yeah. uh, on that trip and then I, you you joined us later in the trip i come down with jimmy we went to Wendery, um, we mapped it, fished it very short, we landed a few nice rainbows. Uh, if you followed along with our stories, everyone, you would have seen our trip down there. All the info, Chris, thanks to you, mate, for sharing the info on where we needed to go, what we needed to do, the boat ramps, all the access. Wendery is a pretty cool lake. Uh, it was 
super, super shallow and I couldn't believe you're just out in the middle of the lake and it's like super shallow everywhere. It's like weed everywhere and shallow everywhere and so many places a fish could hide and live. Um, would have loved to have spent more time there. Awesome spot, hey. Super yeah, popular really- with people having picnics yeah. and people walking yeah. and good land-based access. I saw three or four kids fishing yeah. while we walked around yeah. it and mapped for the day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we uh, we managed four little rainbows again right on last light, like trout like to do in that prime yeah. time. Then we drove to Parambeet, camped to the night there, got up and spent the day mapping at Parambeet, did a little bit of a session. That was quite calm that day and we had, I think we had four or four really good brownies follow us from our session from 2 p.m. Yep. till sunset. We had three or four really nice ones come out uh, for the bent minnow and the fly that Jimmy was running. Wouldn't commit. I had a massive rainbow that I got to follow to the boat like six times. I can't wait to watch the footage back of this rainbow. And he ended up plucking the plastic after follow- so many follows and never stuck hooks. Jimmy reckons, you know, it was close to a 60 centimeter rainbow, close to yeah. maybe five pound. It was a big rainbow. Yeah. It was a good fish. Uh, then we went to Bull and Merai the next day. Again, mate, thanks heaps for the spots and that, but they're only small lakes, but we pretty well explored them all and learned a fair bit about them. I f- caught what I f- believe is my biggest trout ever. Um, it was a cracking fish, eh? Yeah, that was a ripper. I was wrapped for you. <laughs> that is one of the yeah. best been out of uh, uh, Bull and Merai, that's for sure. <laughs> really. Yeah, Jimmy weighed it. Went four and a half pound and was... Didn't measure it, but it would have been close or just over 60 centimetres, probably yeah. more, probably like 65. Super silver fish out of Bormero, yeah. hey, all of them. All the Chinooks, yeah, Tigers, Brownies, they're all yeah, silver. They're quite hard. The, the Chinooks and the Tigers, they're quite hard to differentiate out of uh, yeah. uh, Bormero. It's only, I think it's the, the they've got a black mouth, I think it is. Um, the Chinooks. Yeah, the Chinooks. It's the only way you can really tell them apart because they just look exactly yeah. the same. If you held the tigers and looked at their back, they're kind of olivey, and you could just see the pattern, but you really had to look. Yeah. But the side of them was yeah. literally washed out silver. The Chinooks yeah. had a couple of black dots and black dots in the tail, but it's the yeah. black ring around the eye and the black mouth. Ma- the black mouth's the yeah. killer. If it had a white mouth or like a normal pinky white mouth, then we white. It was a tiger, and if it had a black mouth, it was a Chinook. Um, yeah. We got, I think, we got six or seven. Small tigers um, and and a, one chinook for the day casting. We didn't troll. Trolling is obviously probably one of the pick of the techniques there. Yeah. And we'll talk about those lakes in a minute. Um, yeah. Some big chinooks or bait fishing. Bait fishing is probably yeah. the best way to catch the big chinooks, as you said. Uh, run us through that technique that you explained oh, the, to me. The cubing, cubing for the uh, chinooks. Yeah, it's kind of like just burling, burling cut like cube pilchards, uh, and. So you, you make you create like a burly trail, and then guys have generally bait up one of the cubes and send it down with the trail, and and that's how they they can get them. A few guys have uh, I've tried it. I didn't have much success doing it, and I'd much rather you know cast lures and that anyway. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all it is. They just create a burly trail and send some baits down in that trail, and yeah, that it's. Apart that and and trolling seem to be the two techniques to get the bigger chinooks out of Bulamarai, uh, either on mm-hmm. gap riggers uh, or or flatlining as well. You can get some good ones, but yeah, the as I haven't casted um, Bulamarai that much. I do want to get 
get over there and, and give it more of a crack. But um, yep. yeah, I I normally end up trolling there to be honest. But um, it's hard to go past par and beat. That's that's the thing with me. Like when I'm <laughs> down there, I just I have to go to par and beat. <laughs> par and beat looks better. It's definitely nicer like to look at the weeds yeah. and the casting of the weeds. Just yeah. that was way more exciting to me. Even if you get the follows and you see a few, yeah, and maybe yeah. you won't catch as many. You, you see yeah. stuff. Whereas bull and is heaps dirtier. Like we could only see about fifty or sixty centimeters. It's like a, a stain, like yeah. a greeny brown sort of color, yeah. which is also why the trout are all washed out. Um, it'd be to do yeah. with the water color there, which is why the yeah. uh, Parambit trout are really nice color. Like I imagine the brownies are really deep, nice color, and that rainbow yeah, I lost was a beautiful, beautiful yeah. pink and stripe through it, and real nice deep colored fish. But Bulamera, um, a lot of fish showed up on the sound, and there's no weed there, so there's nowhere for yeah. them to really hide. So you get a good indication of where they are, what depth they're at for trolling. Yeah, exactly. Um, we cast. Uh, didn't catch heaps of fish. We got a few, like I said, we got six, probably six smaller tigers with most of them coming like right at the end of the day off, off one of the points where the wind was yeah. blowing all day. Um, so that was a cool lake. It's also got salt in it. If anyone ever yeah. goes, you, I couldn't work it out. I remember you told me yeah. it's halfway through the day. Like, why is there a residue from the water over my screens yeah. and my GoPros? Like, it's like these, the water was staining everything. I'm like, what is going yeah. on? So then I like wet it and it went away. I was like, and then I taste it. I'm like, it's salt. You yeah, told me, Chris told me it's salt. So it's brackish. Yeah, Bulamera's got the higher concentration of salt. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's a, Parambit's got a bit of salt in it as well. I'm guessing it comes from the, the volcanic rock or something that's that's around. So yeah, it's, but yeah, that's I think that's why the reddies don't don't survive in uh, yes. Merai because it's, it's very, it's yep. the salt content in it. But um, yeah, yeah, there's even bass, yeah. bass in Bulamera as well. So they, they, they're around. So yeah. Yes, definitely. I had a look for them. I couldn't find them. I actually, yeah. I actually looked, because after you said that, I looked at the stocking records just yeah. before this podcast. They stocked, I think it was 10,000 or 5,000 way back. So there'd be some big old bass in there somewhere. Yeah, they but they also started stocking it in the last three years. So they got th- three years now, or 2018, five years. They had three batches of bass. So they would yeah. be smaller fish if they survived. There's a lot of Chinooks in there yeah. and a lot of bait fish. And if they get mixed up with the bait fish, I imagine they became... A lot of them got eaten by the brownies, the yeah. tiger. Tigers are aggressive and yeah, the Chinooks, so... Yeah, it's... um Yeah, well, I've never caught a bass out of there, but I have seen some... uh some pretty big ones taken, or not yep. taken, caught. But um, yeah, yeah. So it'd be good to give that a go as well. There's just so much, so so many things you can do at, at those two lakes. It's just you can never cover everything. Time. I reckon <laughs> it's time. Yeah. Yes. But um, yeah, maybe when I to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep fishing them over and over. Um, which is cool. So awesome lakes, both of them. Uh, and then. I came back to Parambit. That's when you joined us that next yeah. morning. Uh, that's the day that was windy. We got on some nice fish. You ran us through your day. You had a stack of interest. You dropped a really nice tiger, like a bigger tiger. Yeah. You said it was? Yeah. So um, my morning, so that Saturday morning, I fished the eastern side of the lake um, because the wind was was pushing pretty much everything onto that side. So I thought yep. that would be a place to go. So I 
made my way over there and was doing just casting those pockets again. And yep. I got a lot of interest on the bent minnow. I, I literally casted that pretty much the entire that first session and the entire second session. Um, I ended up with, I think I ended up with six fish, um, only small chinook, uh, sorry. For the whole trip or just that day? No, just that day. We ended up with... with yeah, you had a good session. Yeah, smaller yeah. fish, but good. Yeah, that was smaller. But um, yeah, and then I... I um, was that the, the that was the session that you told me you got that brown right on the edge, yeah, on that that point, and I yeah went, the two days before we we missed the brown oh, there yeah yeah, okay. yeah and I, I went in there for a bit of a oh no no that a, morning yeah that morning yeah. yeah oh so it must have been that yeah I don't know if it was after Arvo morning or was yeah that Arvo? okay yeah so the Arvo I went in there and that's where I I got got hit on the vent minnow and it just got just done me like it was just like, big fish big having so quick hook drag and just these bent minnows sometimes they're just the, the, the hookup rate is just not the best but it's awesome to see a big fish like that like i even seen him like it, it was either a brown or a tiger but yeah right right up on the on the edge like it would have been no less no sorry no more than a meter from the that rocky um rock yep. edge there so yeah, so much fun, eh? <laughs> so I don't know. Well, it's that's that's the thing I want to talk about with Parambit. You've got this weed, and you can fish the outside of the weed, but you can fish the inside of the weed as well. Yeah. And spring is your prime time. Um, and while we're talking about this, I obviously went down to map it. So we went down and mapped it. We created, uh, we will create all the maps. I'm actually currently writing a trip report. So the trip report has you know all the details from what we learned, all the lessons, all the tips for all three lakes that we fished where we fished, all the key banks we fished, what produced, what we recommend, plus a bit of an update for what will come for the rest of the season, best seasons, um, which is info from our research, but also your help. And also the maps will go up. So if you guys want any more info on these lakes, check them out. And also you write the monthly report as well, Chris. So every month you're out in the area, you know people out in the area, you write a report, you know, there's a point when the fish stop feeding on the edges yeah, uh, comes warmer months, and then when it comes back around to a good time of year. So, um, if you're after any more info on these crater lakes, make sure you check out Chris's monthly report and also the content that we're about to put up. We filmed all our sessions, so we'll have a session from Bull and Murray showing the fish we caught, how we did it. One from Wendery and two from Parambit plus a stack of tips. So there's heaps of stuff in there, but that one particular technique is the brownies at the minute get right up in the weed, but they get right on the edges, eh? So that one yeah. that I missed, I put the bent minnow you know, like a foot off the bank and it would have been a foot deep where it was. And I started twitching and no word of a lot. It was like white water, big weight. I've watched the video back. It's like on big weight, big fish. Yep, yep, got him and then just gets his head down and he starts screaming drag. And yeah. if the hook had a stayed in, there's a fair chance he would have buried me in the weed anyway. I was ready to get the lecky going and burn it after him. <laughs> but um, you had the same experience and just the hooks fell out, eh? Yeah, it was probably not not as uh, not as uh, much happening as, as, as your one there. But um, he's just hit the, the bent and big swirl, big, like I've seen the tail slap. And, uh, Did ya? Yeah, I seen the tail slap, and uh, he's he's actually pulled it, and yeah, he just didn't. He just missed the hooks. Like that's what I was. Well, I was thinking like maybe maybe I need to put some stingers on or something or single hooks, just to improve that hook up rate because it's 
you know, that was my issue, the the triple. We, we did we did change. I um, put a few extra split rings on the, the 100 mil Berkeley bents and and Lockie put a, a, a sting, some stingers on the back of his lures um, to see which one would uh, yep. improve the hookup rate. And he, he did hook more fish than I did that last session. So I think I'm going to... I'm gonna set using up. the bents as well or yeah, just put them on all lures? Yeah, using the bents. So I think I'm going to just set up a few different lures of different uh, different style hooks and, and stingers and all that to see on my next trip which one will improve my hookup rate because, yeah, that's like you said, it's fun watching them uh, eat the lure, hook them, though. lure and swirl, but you just want to see them and get a photo and, you know, put them back. <laughs> But, um, yeah, because from what I've seen, they're they're pretty pressured lakes to a point, and the water's yeah. really clear, so it's not they don't come along all that often. We got a fair few follows from brownies, but only a yeah. couple committed, like a couple of yeah. big ones, like the ones you're really chasing. Yeah. Um. So you don't want to like I, when I dropped mine, I was gutted. I'm like, I bet you I won't get another chance. Oh well, I wasn't. I was like, I hope I get another chance. Yeah. But same with you. You had that was the only one that grabbed it. You had a couple of other big ones that followed you. Yeah, I had. I think it was the it was with Lockie, so it would have been the Sunday um, when when Lockie rocked up. I fished that um, I'd say the southern bank or yep. southern weed, where the, just out yep. the ramp where, where you guys were fishing, and uh, I had probably about four or five encounters with a, a big a couple of big brown browns, and. Um, yeah, one like I was sitting a bit wider of the of the weed, and I was flicking a plastic in and around it just to change it up a little bit, so we weren't getting too much action. It was and it was like it was like mid midday almost. It was got it had to have yep. been eleven o'clock, so I just changed the changed the bent minnows for a plastic. Anyway, I was just casting it same same principle, casting that um, those pockets, and as I, I was probably about less than a meter from the boat and this big brown, probably the biggest brown I've, I've seen, uh, just came out from under the boat, scared the living daylights out of me. And he yeah. plucked, plucked the plastic on the lure. And I seen it all because I had the, uh, the tonic glasses on and he just yep. turned around and was off. But yeah, it, just, it was a big fish. And, we were casting that area like when you see that it just you know g's you up a lot and uh, we kept casting the same area plastics and he came up or a different fish whatever came up another two or three times that session but just wouldn't right didn't commit to it like we've seen him at least three or three or four times that session and yeah same same deal he, he was interested but it was like i don't know if i don't know if he was scared of the boat because we were kind of just drifting we weren't really on the electric or anything but he did obviously when he got up he did see us but he just wouldn't commit to the yeah. look, um like at all really and um so that's what we, we tried to we noticed that they were coming from underneath the boat so we we positioned the boat a bit further a bit deeper a bit further away from the weed in the hope that maybe they're sitting in that just before the certain channel yeah, yeah. channel sort of thing and yeah, we we had another one in the last the last session for that day, uh, come out 
uh, follow the the plastic up, but yeah, just wouldn't commit. So yeah, that happened to us so many times. Yeah, so many tough, times, especially when you see them, like yeah, it was crazy. We had interesting experience. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Funny or fun, we had heaps of fun. Even oh, I got a really nice brownie from uh, Bulmerai, and it got uh, we saw a couple of cracking brownies at Parramatta and got smoked by one. And Jimmy lost a really good one. He loaded into a real nice one on the fly once, and he got he lost a really nice rainbow and caught a nice rainbow, like a fifty odd centimeter rainbow, yeah. really last last light right out the front of the park. But yeah, we got some awesome videos and content to come from the trip, and it was good to um, catch up with you down there, mate. Epic part of the world. So if you're ever going to fish those two lakes, springtime, bent minnows, get ready to not hook them, but get ready for some action. Awesome fun. The tiger trout, I don't know about anyone else, but they were by far the most common fish we caught. It was by far the most common fish you caught casting or or redfin. A lot of redfin started to eat our lures from out of the weeds. Yeah. Um, Beach, huge redfin fishery. And I couldn't get over how many boats were in that place. Like, we were there on a Thursday. It was Boat City, but 80% of them are bait fishing. Um, Super productive technique. Bait fishing for the trout and the redfin, um, which is what we learned during the trip. So, anchor up over the redfin schools, um, bait fish for them. I struggled to catch them. You know how I've never spent that much time. I spent probably an hour one day and then another solid hour trying to get redfin to bite in a school, I would have give, yeah. normally give up in 10 minutes any other time. And I was like, how are they catching so many redfin? Yeah. And it was all bait fishing. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them were bait fishing with yeah. the smelt and the galaxia that they'd go catch at Bulamera. Yeah, exactly. But liveys are the, uh, a good technique, but um, I've seen guys actually put burly pellets into the school to, to fight yep. the trout, oh, sorry, the trout, the redfin up. And then they can get them on plastics and, and baits and all that sort of thing. But that's it is it's, it is the most effective way to get the redfin. But I when I go like when I try and get a few, I, I mean I don't spend as much time as, as the other guys uh, fishing for redfin. But we we yep. end up getting them off the school. But I don't I try not to focus too much on the actual school. Like I like yep. to fish for them in about ten to fifteen meters and. I was using the, on the trip before last, I was using a, I think it was one and a quarter jig head. So it's quite heavy. heavy one. Yeah. On a, um, just a Z-Man grub. And I, I was sounding the school and I just let the, the plastic get to the bottom and I just jigged the plastic, worked the plastic around where the school was. And I was finding yep. that a lot of red fin that peel off from the uh, actual school and uh, i'd say they're feeding on the bottom or something and that's how we're picking up our fish but they're the active ones yeah Yeah. the active ones that are not when they're when you see them bunched up in the school they're generally pretty dormant unless you fire them up somehow with earlier baits and then fish for them with plastic but yeah like the trip last on the weekend was uh completely different we were getting in big numbers fishing as a as bycatch on fishing for trout like the bent minnows yeah we caught a few too in the weed yeah it's like you you, like pretty much when you're fishing those low light periods every second cast you you, you either get a buff or a red fin or something um so they were hitting me and i'm like one of them was like oh good weight good weight mate yeah it's not swimming like a trout it's a red fin (laughs) yeah there's i ended up with a 40 centimeter red fin that 
wasn't too Did bad. Did you? Yeah, I think it was the Monday. And um, That's a good fish. He's hit it, yeah, he's hit it out of the weed and I thought, yep, this is the fish. So I'll come um, into it, he's, he's peeling line and then all of a sudden it just stops. It's like reeling in a boot. And I was like, oh. <laughs> They don't fight very <laughs> good, do they? <laughs> nah. It's like the initial they just sit there and shake their head. Sit there, sit there and shake a little bit and you're just like, yeah, it's a red fin. It's not that big trout. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I managed to get one out of the school dead sticking, literally completely still with a gulp. But like you yeah. said, the bait catches them or or firing them up with the bait and then they'll bite. But as yeah. it gets warmer, the water's only like 13 and a half degrees. So to be ridiculously cold down in 12 meters, once yeah. it gets to summer, they will fire and probably yeah. be super easy to catch yeah, on definitely. all sorts of plastics and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, that's awesome, mate. Good run through of our trip. Uh, good run through what we did. Like I said, if you want more content, make sure you check it out. We've sort of run through Parambit, Bull and Merai, how you'd fish both of them, um, how you'd approach it. So, a little bit different how I normally do these interviews, mate, because we obviously just did that trip and I want to touch on that. But can yeah. we go back now and can you tell me the Chris Musket story? How did you get started in fishing? Why yep. do you love it so much? Where are you based? Yep. And how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I am based in the west of Melbourne in a, in a, a suburb called Point Cook. And I got into fishing with uh, my old man when I was a kid and we used to go fish a lot with my uncles at, in Phillip Island. It was mainly in, in Western Port Bay and Port Phillip Bay. Um, yeah, and we'd pretty much fish on, on our end-of-year holidays and a few a few times during the, the year, we'd go down to Geelong Rocks and all these different places, chasing flathead, snapper, whiting. But, yeah, and it yep. just started. That's how it started. And I just I got addicted to it, and, you know. As, as a kid? A, yeah, as a kid. And you just didn't didn't have a license to, to, to take myself. But the, me, me dad and um, my family would, would, would go on holidays and we'd – He'd take me fishing down at Real Pier and, and Cow's Pier. And, yeah, I just it started that way. And as soon as I pretty much got my – actually, it was before I got my license, I used to actually catch public transport with all my rods and tackle. And I'd be, jump on a bus to the train station with my mate. And nice. Jump on the train and, and head down to uh, Newport. There's a little place called the Warmies at Newport where we'd fish for uh, mullet, snapper brim um yeah yeah all sorts of different uh species in there and yeah that's cool i was they used to uh that the boy the boys would come with me a fair bit but uh when they realized how crazy i was and i'd do some ridiculous hours and late nights and overnighters and all yeah. sorts of things and they would uh they stopped stopped coming as much but they still they still come and then and yeah, I got my license and then I became like into sort of lure fishing for uh, brim and catching brim in the, uh, the Maribyrnong River on all sorts of different prawns and baits. And and then, yeah, that's that was that. And brim, yeah, you've yeah. done a lot of brim fishing, eh? Yeah, I, I did. I, I did a lot of brim fishing. That's probably the, the uh, fish I've, I've sort of targeted the most over my journey. Um, yep. I just feel like now I'm, I'm glad I did did that because it's it's put me in good stead for fishing for all sorts of different uh, species and different sort of waterways and all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so then I got into lure fishing like more once I got a license and could 
go to all these different places and um, yeah, ended up getting getting the tinny, which I still have. That's that tinny I got when I was 21. Um, Is that the one you're fishing so, out of now? Yeah, that's the same one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Just, it's all yeah, kitted just, out now. Yeah, kitted it out. Made it a bit of a uh, you know lure casting weapon. I, I like to call it, but it's not it's not the best nice. boat, but it, it does the job, mate. It's uh, seen some fish, so I'm, I'm quite happy about that. But yeah, that's yeah, pretty much. Nice. It. So, what river did you say you you did a lot of your brim fishing in? Yeah, it's called the Maribyrnong River. So it's it runs. Where is it? Uh, it's probably it's west west Melbourne. So it runs right through where. Uh, Avondale Geelong or no further nah, up nah, it's more more like just suburbs in in the west like pretty much yep. um, Ascot Vale Maribyrnong Avondale Heights um, and it runs back out into the Yarra which then obviously runs out into the bay so oh it doesn't go straight into the bay it runs into the Yarra yeah it yep. runs into the Yarra first which then runs into the bay and there's some really yep. good room in there and um it was good fun. We'd, we'd fish for them on floats with bait around uh, a place called the Angler's Tavern, which is a little bar that we also used to go to. But uh, nice. we'd fish, fish maybe a bit around there. And, yeah, we'd do pretty well. And then we've seen guys catching them on lures and then we started bull fishing for them. And, yeah, pretty much started there, I'd say, like getting into all the lures. And now that's that, awesome. Into the freshwater scene. How long ago was that? How long oh, ago this would that? have been. This would have been when I was eighteen, so thirteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that was then, and yeah, then I, I sort of met Lockie, and we got into the freshwater scene. And then yep. I, I, now I, I, it's really hard to to jump back into salt now that I'm into the fresh. I love it. It's grouse. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You don't hear of many salt go fresh story or you do but you don't because you got sort of both both sides here so if you were to pick a session now it would be fresh would it or is the salt still no you prefer your fresh i prefer my fresh now i don't get me wrong i still enjoy catching grim i really like it but if i had to pick i'd be definitely fresh I, I, i enjoy chasing a cod here and there and yellow belly bass and the, the definitely the, the trout, trout's I, the I top really of the list yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm really, yeah. really addicted to bent minnow stuff now. <laughs> <laughs> the big brownies yeah. on the bent minnows. That, yeah. That'll be your goal. Get a massive one oh. on that. That's cool. And yeah. then tell us, tell us about the the page, mate. Anglers Australia. Run oh, us yeah. through. You got the shirt on. Tell yeah. us where that all come about. How that come about and what it is. Yeah. So Anglers Australia. We started during COVID. Because we were so desperate to go fishing, we just were yeah. out with everybody. And Melbourne had the, the harshest lockdowns and we were dying to get out and go for a fish. So we thought we'd just start a page and just share. We, we thought there'd be other people in our in our situation, other anglers that were locked down and, and wanted to, you know, share some, some go fishing and sh- or share some fishing stories. And we would... Uh, just pretty much share all our all our pictures and that on Instagram and uh, yep. sort of started from there and, and now we just you know we pretty much share all our um, fishing stories on on Instagram just to uh, you know to keep keep everyone updated of what we're doing which is 
just more of a hobby than anything else. We like to make the it's real. you and Lockie. Yeah, put some videos up. Nice. And yeah, it's quite fun. It's it's just a little venture that we like to, you know, to share our our story. Something a bit different, but um, yeah, it's quite fun. What you doing? Yeah. What um, lockdown must have been. I've talked to a couple of people yeah. on the podcast who went through it. It must have been crap. Is that so? You started the page, yeah. sharing old stuff. Yeah, it was just, just old stuff because we keep were just it going. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, we we're just desperate to go fishing, and we we're just going back looking through these photos, and we had some awesome like fish and and memories that we had, and so we just started the page to share that, just to pretty much spread a bit of positive, um, yeah, positive stories on fishing because there was a lot of people that you know were would have been locked down and and couldn't fish so that we started that way and then once we sort of opened up it people were sending us all these photos and and fishing videos and stories and we'd just share them on our story and and uh yeah we'd do the same when we would go fishing and and have some pretty like awesome fish and and different uh, videos that we'd take on our on the GoPros, but it's, it's quite fun. Just just a small little hob, side hobby, I'd say. But yeah, we get the t-shirts awesome. made, like Angles Australia, which is quite fun. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's going all right. It's going quite well. Eleven eleven thousand. That's good. So it's 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 growing. It's going so good. Yeah, <laughs> that's epic for three three years or so. Yeah, about three years. People, people yeah. like some lures and that to, to try out for them and different products. So we, we like doing that as well. And we do some some videos for them and, and promote their stuff, which is quite fun. So, yeah. That's, that's, awesome. That's doing real well. It's just all yeah. about helping people and sharing yeah, stories. How was COVID? How do you do – you're an electrician by trade. How do yeah. you – how did you work? In what? How long were you locked down? Was it 12 months or was it 18 months? Well, I think it was uh, – it was probably a bit close to that, but um, it wasn't, it was like a few months here, three, four months there. So there was a few different lockdowns. So yeah, work, work for me didn't stop. So I worked straight through. You still worked. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, I work for an elevator company and uh, yeah, we were deemed like necessity or whatever they would call it. Um, so, right. So you're lucky in that regard. Yeah. Like, Definitely work-wise, we were lucky, but it was just um, the we'd, you'd just work and come home, yeah. Like there was no no hobby, no outings really. You'd just be you could go for a half an hour, hour walk, whatever it was, and you had your yeah. That was pretty much it. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't. Great. Do you remember it? Yeah. Does it yeah. feel like it was just? then or does it feel like oh that was ages ago or does it just something that will stay with everyone in melbourne forever like yeah it's cool funny, it was. funny that you mentioned it I, I i don't think i've really spoken about it that much to anybody but it was it's a bit it's almost surreal that that happened it's like it's like it, i know it happened but it's like it didn't happen like we lost yeah, so much okay. so much time during that period and um yeah we were just i think the, the funny thing is, as, as, as negative as it was, it's made me appreciate like Victoria and how many amazing fisheries Victoria has to offer because we couldn't travel interstate. So I ended up fishing a lot of different lakes and 
rivers and stuff around Victoria. And that's yep. the silver lining of it all, I guess, staying in the state and, and seeing some pretty awesome places. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a, a lot of people that were worse off than me anyway. Very much so. Yeah. Well, yeah, you guys were in the thick of it, so you yeah. really copped it. But that's right. You were locked down proper in your area for so long and then you're locked down for even longer yeah. for ages like the border, we I couldn't come down either for yeah. so long. Because this is like when we launched the membership, as COVID yeah. all kicked in. So we were trying to get people couldn't write reports, and yeah. we weren't able to get down to Victoria to film and fish. I remember that, and that's why I got more New South Wales content to start yeah. with. And while I'm heading down your way more now, yeah, it's it's funny now. We just go by, we're just back to normal, but yeah. it affected so many people. We were super lucky up in New South, especially country New South. Yeah. We really didn't have much of a lockdown so yeah buddy it's good that we're not there anymore that's for sure definitely now we can go fishing anywhere we want (laughs) wherever we want in the country (laughs) yeah um (laughs) that's cool awesome awesome story mate um and now what's the plan for yourself and any goals for anywhere you want to fish now going forward obviously a parambit big Bent Minnow Brownie is on yeah. the list, but is there anything else? Any other yeah. places you want to go visit or fish? Yeah, that's that's number one. I'd say the a big brown out of Parambit in in the uh, the springtime would be would be the the ultimate. Um, but then when the weather starts to warm up, I like to go and check Yellow Valley and Bass. So yep. I think I'll be I'll, I'll be doing a few Lake Hume trips and some Lake oh, yeah. uh, Bull, uh, not Bull, all right, Blue Rock Dam. I don't like to go to Blue Rock Dam, Lake Glen Maggie, chasing chasing bass. So that's that's on the cards, and uh, I've got. How a, far is Blue Rock? Blue Rock's about two hours from me, two and a half hours. Oh, that's not too bad. But that's yeah, yeah. the direct. It's it's. I think it's Gippsland. Yeah. So yeah, that and I'd like to get another meter cod. That'd be nice. <laughs> especially after the last. Could have had that chance, mate. Yeah, especially after that last. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I've got you on a podcast. You've seen, you've been in our in our Wangler video. Um, because yeah. yeah, we were in a session we did the other day. Did some videos with me on the trout down there. Um, just run me through. I'm just going to take the opportunity one more time. Just <laughs> yeah. can you share the story? <laughs> can you share the story that you are referring to? For those who are members, you will have seen this. If you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen a reel without the context. Yeah. But Chris is going to tell you the entire story from start to finish. Yeah. So on the, on the team's trip to Wyangla, I uh, was out fishing with Reese, And uh, yeah. The last session. Uh, last yeah. Arvo session. Last The last Arvo session. And, Your um, last session, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my, off yeah, early. my last Arvo session. And um, yeah, we had a little bit of a tangle with a, a big cod that Reese had seen on the on the scope. And I'm relatively new to cod fishing. I'll, I'll put that out there. So it's uh, I have I have caught a meter a meter cod, which is pretty cool considering. Um, but yeah, this in this particular uh, uh, moment, I had casted the one of the Ignite Fury soft plastics at this cod. And I've just been slow, slow winding, slow winding. And Reese is getting really excited. I'm like, don't look at the screen. Don't look at the screen. Anyway, this thing has eaten the lure and I've just absolutely got into it. <laughs> and yeah, he popped me. So turns out the drag was Sorry, too high. I shouldn't laugh. 
But it is a funny story. I tell you, if you see the footage, I was not laughing. I was pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but You yeah, were not far off crying. You were so, so devastated. And I can... Yeah, but, um, it just goes to show it's it's a it's a learning experience. It's um goes to show that the smallest thing you can have that is not not correct and it can cost you big time, and that was a prime example of it. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm that meticulous when I'm setting my my drag for cod. I actually have a, a, a Reese like when you when we were there, you showed me how to um like roughly how much to set it at, and now I actually use a set of hand scales and I'll make sure <laughs> perfect. Uh, hey, that's, that's a pretty good little tip there. A little, a set of hand yeah, it's a great tip. Set of hand There's scales. no such thing as going overboard. If you, if it's an extra 10 seconds and yeah. it gets the job done, then that's it. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll... funny. I don't, I don't know. I reckon something else might've gone wrong just with like a, something that's like cut it or whatever but normally the reason it's funny but it's not funny is normally most people don't strike hard enough and the rule is we've called yeah. swing as hard as you can and that's what i talk about in podcasts you would yeah. have listened to me say it so many times yeah. swing as hard as you can swing as hard as you. so what does chris do swings like an absolute trooper i've never seen someone swing so hard like you did the best swing super heavy rod just went crack and the you just hit it with so much and the drag was just a little bit too tight that something yeah. had to give way and it popped down it. near the end of the leader. But I don't know if there was another weak point that we can blame it on, but the drag ideally was just a bit too much. At the start, yeah. I was like, oh, it shouldn't still pop like that anyway. It yeah, did. it's what it is. The funny thing Bucket, is mate. I actually almost ate the, the rod. That was the, the funny part. <laughs> <laughs> That's what... Jump on out yeah. Insta and watch the reel. <laughs> That's what Lockie... Did you... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Did you hear? I don't know if you heard. I'll have to play back the video that's not... That video on Insta doesn't have the full surrounding sound. It's got my chest one. But if you listen to it off the back GoPro, I think I sent it and I think Graham picked it up in the chat. The kookaburra's timing is spot on. It literally goes silent. It goes snap and the kookaburra just kicks off and laughs its guts out. And it's just so funny. Thanks, Kookaburra. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Such a funny moment. Anyway, um, the best thing to take away from mistakes or things not going right is lessons which you've learned and you've yeah, obviously got over the top of that. Same with the bent minnow thing. It's like miss, miss, miss. Well, we can't keep using trebles. What can we try? And you yeah. said you've rigged up three yeah, different types yeah. to go and try next time to see if the hook configuration is better. Goes with the plastics on that trip. I was at uh, Bulmero. I kept missing fish, same at Paramate. I kept missing fish and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like they're just tapping the tail of the plastic. So Jimmy goes, do you have any stingers? I'm like, yeah, good idea. And I've got some in the kit that I've already done when I fish at Eucambine, but they only tangle a bit. So I hang the stingers just like the assists that we use for the yellows, like the soft vibes, put it over the, the main hook and then put a stopper on it, just a bit of plastic like off a lid or something like normally I use milk bottle lids and cut yeah. them in strips and just pin them over and cut them so the little stopper to stop them coming off yeah problem was every fourth of it was okay when you knew there was a fish there but every like fourth or fifth cast the hook would get in the tail which is why the ones in my box I didn't use that much but then what I did was instead of leaving it free I sort of loosely pinned it in the back of the, the tail so it's like right at the back and it's on a cord and I just checked to make sure the tail would still do that and it's sitting up the top of the tail straight away 
bang, hit. Um, and oh, I missed one more and then connected. And that's what I connected that big one, that four and a half pounder one out of Bulamara, that big brownie, yeah. was on one of those assist hooks. And you, did you do the same at yeah. Parham Beat? Yeah, after, um, after you shared your uh, story about them not getting pinned, I did the same thing in my plastic and I definitely ended up hooking more fish on the plastic. Um, but yeah, I, I did, like I said, I didn't run the plastic as, as much as the bents, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely helped with the hookup rate, especially on, like I noticed the, the, the small tigers as well. Like they, they come up and, and you can see them in the water's so clear. You can see them come up and they, they like pluck the back of the lure, like yep. back of the plastic. So I'm not sure so how, much. yeah. With with the bents, I think they might come up, like and and just either bump the lure or or just they just miss the trebles like somehow. So I think yeah, the the stingers the stingers are definitely the way to go in the plastics, and I'm gonna even try running them on on the bents like I said before, and, and see how we go from there. Got to change. And a lot of boys. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mildred, Matty Mildred runs um, on his Tazzies when he's trolling two singles and you face them inwards like this. So when they bite, yeah. they stick out like that. A, a lot of yeah. track guys do that. Like you put them on a bead and a, it's a pretty yeah. example. But anyway, singles yeah. because the trebles hook them. Like trebles, they like bang, hook goes in, shake the head, boom, it's gone. So it's like they don't even hook yeah. it. It's like it just falls out. There's some reason trout have such a good ability to throw trebles they just don't actually bury that's why i prefer yeah. to use a plastic because yeah they'll tap 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 but then when they grab it one single hook bang jams them they can't get it out but then yeah. the tapping is too much the yellows the assist hooks are so good and i can't see why they wouldn't be so good on the trout so yeah any way that you can run singles like they do on the tazzies for trolling singles are good or assist hooks one way or another will be better than trebles we don't use trebles on our self vibes for yellows because they yeah. suck yeah we use assist hooks so i think trout are yeah. very much the same if you can manage to get it to work on the lure options that we have yeah um i'm gonna run through can you run through your favorite three places to fish uh, i feel like i know one is there somewhere or at the top but your yeah. top three destinations to fish for any species yeah. wherever what are they all right so at the moment We'll start from we'll start from number one because that's we all know what that is at the moment. It's Lake Parnell. <laughs> that is just the surprise, surprise. Awesome place, most awesome place to fish. Great, like you said, it's a great lake like to look at. Great scenery, awesome looking place. The fishing there is one of the it's got to be one of the best trout fisheries in Victoria at the moment. Like there's some awesome trout, awesome redfin. There's Chinook salmon. Um, the tiger trout, rainbows, tiger trout. Awesome. So keep you busy, those tiger yeah. trout. There's not much like, fun. It's just so it, even if you want to, if you're want to take your kids there, you know, to just to catch a fish. It's it's you, there's so many options. Like the, the trout are so aggressive. Those tiger trout, um, you can catch them on lures. You can catch them on bait. Like there's there's redfin. So it's 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 yep. definitely my favorite place to fish at the moment. Um. Number two, I would say, would be Lake Glen Maggie fishing for bass. Yep. Nice yeah, lake. I, I really, it's a nice lake. Yeah. Really nice place. Um, Why I, would you pick Glen Maggie over Blue Rock? I, the, 
Blue Rock's awesome, don't get me wrong, but there's I feel like there's better class of fish in Glen Maggie. So last yep, last summer when we were fishing there, we ended up with some some cracking bass, which was awesome. Um, so I, I I put that above Blue Rock only because of the I feel like I get we get a lot of smaller model fish out of Blue Rock. Um, yep. So yeah, Lake Glen Maggie, uh, and probably third is Lake Moala, definitely. I enjoyed. Yeah, I thought that being there. Yeah, Lake Moala, chasing cod. And I got got my PB cod there and PB Yalla out of um, Moala, so can't wait to head cool. down there once the uh, cod season. So you've up. got three different species, three yeah. different, or four different species. You got yeah. trout, bass, cod, and yellows. I like to keep it a bit diverse. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. so good. Awesome. I like. Um, I was going to ask you a question on your favorite trout technique, but I feel like at the minute yeah. you go to is the bent minnows because it's so much fun. But other than the bent minnows, what technique would you use to catch the most productive technique? What lure and how? What, yeah. what approach I think, after the bent minnows? Yeah, apart from the bent minnow, I would say uh, the Daiwa double clutches. I, I like twitching jerk baits and that for trout. I think that's that can be very productive. It's It's... A fairly similar technique, but you throw in a few more pauses, and I find that was a really good technique at Lake Windery as well. So, yeah, I, I like using the jerk baits quite a, quite a bit. The diver double clutches are so awesome; they they catch a lot of yep. a lot of fish. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd awesome. Yeah. If someone's just getting into chasing trout, what are a bunch of key lures that they should have in their kit? Like if they're just say lake trout, we'll just keep this to lakes. Yeah. Um, all the lakes that you sort of fish. What what's a bunch? If let's say I've never done it before, I really don't have any lures. I got to go out and buy I don't know, five lures. What what am I yeah. grabbing? If we're running plastics, what type of plastics? What jig heads? What hard bodies? Why hard body? What what's a handful yeah. of lures that you would want to have to get started? Yeah. Well, if you're just starting out, I'd be I'd be getting. Number one, we'll be getting the bent minnow, as we've discussed, um, for the reasons we've we've also discussed. <laughs> They're just good fun. It's a good so technique. Yeah, it just keeps. It also, I like I like lures that keep you like lure fishing. It keeps that keep you active. You know, you keep casting, keep very fishing. active. Yeah, so that's that's a, a good fun. I was getting not my muscles through here. Yeah. It's starting to hurt because yeah. you got to twitch. And you're whining at the same yeah. time. I'm like, this is, I'm piff one out. And then I'm like, this is going to get sore by the end of the day. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's, I was telling Lockie, it's kind of like a shake and bake technique just for trout. Like you just constantly yeah. wind, twitch wind, twitch wind. But um, yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely, that's number one. Number two, I would say the Daiwa double clutches, jerk baits. Yep. Um, it's any yeah. sort of suspending hard body. Yeah, suspending hard body. And you can, depending on where you're fishing, you can run the deeper model or I prefer the shallow the shallow model. Um, What's a shallow model? Like how far are we diving? Like a meter uh, at most? Or? Yeah, I think it's about a meter to, to be to be exact. A uh, meter, meter and a half. Yep. And I think the, the deeper ones are two, two and a half. Uh, yep. Yeah, it just depends on where you're, where you're fishing. Um, it like Pyron Beach, the, the place I fish the most, so... I like the shallow model because there is there is that surface weed everywhere, so it's you don't want it yep. to too deep and then get tangled down the, at the bottom. If you, if it tangles, it gets caught in weed at the top. You can generally get them out. So 
Yeah, I'd say the weed is shocking. You don't want to be diving too yeah, deep yeah. there, eh? The, just, 100%. You, hard body. I found I'd wind a hard body and boom, it hit the weed, and you can't get it off the trebles. Whereas a plastic, you'd hit the weed and you give it like a real hard rip, and it would like clear itself sometimes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And yeah, you just got to be careful if you hard bodies. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Number three. Yeah. So number three, I'd say a soft plastic. I, I paddle tail soft plastic. I like the Z Man's with a one eighth jig yep. head. They're, they're yep. a good lure. Um, How big are they? Just uh, they're like about three, three inch, inch two inch. Three inch, I think. Yeah. The Z-Man paddle tails. Um, I like the, the bad shad. That's that's my favorite. It's like a black, sparkly black and silver uh, lure. Um, that works quite well there. Um, I, also, I don't think we've touched on this, but don't. Yeah. This is random off topic, but why are you talking about the Z-Mans? For anyone who's ever wondered... You've probably come across this if you've done any sort of fishing. Z-Mans do not go with any other plastic, hey? Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definite. Do not put them with any other plastic because you'll just have a, in a, a goo in your tackle box. <laughs> oh, everyone's done it. And if you're new everyone's to chasing fish or freshwater fishing, yeah. here's the heads up. If you've never done it, yeah. now's your time to learn because don't put any z-man plastic with any other brand plastic yeah. put in a container put your z-mans with your z-mans they'll be fine and happy and if a z-man touches any other plastic there's yeah. probably one out there that it doesn't react with but just imagine yeah. it happens to all of them yeah. it doesn't just melt a little bit they all do they all turn to goo both yeah. the z-man and the other one yeah. melt they hey all turn to goo. I've, I've done it before and i've looked in the tackle box i'm like what has happened there it just everything just turned to goo. I was, I was only like three or four plastics in this little uh, uh, compartment, but yeah, they all turned to goo. It was it was pretty funny. Melt big time. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so, everyone's okay. probably listening to this, going, "Yeah, we know, we know, guys. We've all done yeah, it." But if yeah, you haven't done it, don't do it. Also, on the that, on the Z Man's, I like to put a bit of super glue and actually glue them to the jig head because they like to to slide down like very easily so that's a good little tip to just chuck some super glue on the on the top of it and push it onto the jig head let it dry and you shouldn't have any issues nice it'll last forever because those plastics are tough as nails yeah. um yeah. Uh, back to the lures uh yeah I also, I, number four i'd have to say the tassie devils they're um i don't do a hell of a lot of trolling but when when you do the tassie devils are a dynamite they um you can you can troll them with uh, fenders and all sorts of different things and um, yeah they're a really good lure if you if you're wanting to get into a bit of trolling for trout yeah that's yep. my top four great option and they're cheap cheap yeah. and easy and simple yeah good to cast too if you're on the shore because they're super heavy hundred yeah. percent yeah they're cool good. yeah that's nice about my four yeah. Um, your go-to setup, like size, setup, length, rod, sort of, if you know that you like to use, and what leader do you like to run for trout? From the lightest that you use in some situations to sort yeah. of your heaviest, depending on your other situations. Especially pound beat in the weed. Keen to hear what leader you run there. Yeah, so in in the weed, I like to run at least 10, 10 pound leader on pretty much eight pound braid. Uh, FG yep. not tie the leader onto the, the braid. Um, I find that's that's the best technique and I oh, sorry the best setup and I like to pair that with a two and a half thousand reel. Um, yep. and generally I run a 
one of the Daiwa Hypers. Yeah, I think they're a pretty good setup. And I also got a, what's it called now? A NS Amped Rod that I, I quite like as well. I think they're the, the, my two favorite sort of setups for... for How long are they? Uh, Roughly, what do you run, like a seven-foot rod? Yeah, they're about, I think they're six foot, six, six, ten, maybe, six, ten. Yeah. So yep. I'm not too, too sure uh, off the top of my head, but yeah, they're, they're a good rod. They, they definitely um, do the job, but I've, I've also started to uh, run a few um, slower action rods just to, on the bents, just to... Yep. Try and improve that hookup. Try and keep the hooks in. Yeah. Yes. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Softer rod when they grab yeah. it because you can't strike. I was talking to yeah. Jimmy. I was like, next time one of these fish hit because they were all tigers hit me. I'm like, I keep missing them because they're like on off gone. I was like, next one I'm hitting it like a cod. He's like, what? I'm like, the next time one grabs, yeah. I'm gonna swing and try and bury the hooks. Doesn't work because nah. as soon as they hit it. They haven't hit it and you send the lure back at your face. It's like you've got to twitch and wind, feel weight, wind into them and then just wind them. It's like, And then you're in. Like, there's no point striking. It's a real weird style. It's like, yeah, yeah. you've just got to... It's like trout in most scenarios. You've got to trout on a plastic. It's like wind, 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 bang, on, keep winding, keep winding and then yeah. into it. So the softer rod, this happens the same for yellows. Whack, you're on and it helps absorb the head shakes and the thrashes yeah. to keep the hook in. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. Like I, I, I sometimes I admit I do get a bit trigger happy, and sometimes you just oh, and you just strike. But um, generally, I just try and, and be a bit calm and a bit patient, like in the moment. But yeah, they just still weren't weren't sticking. So yeah, that's why I'm going to have to go back and and just have a look and see how I can change that. Mm. Yeah. Awesome, mate. Have you got any other piece of advice for anyone getting out there chasing trout or any life advice or anything you'd like to share before we finish up? But yeah, um, well, yeah. with the trout, you just got to get out there. Like you, you don't know when when that, that fish of a lifetime is going to just come out of the weed and eat your lure. Like you just got to keep going, keep persisting. Like we fished the last year, we fished so hard and yeah, it didn't, didn't happen for us, but you you just keep going, you keep keep grinding, and definitely will happen for you. Just got to give it time. Same awesome. old old story, I suppose, but uh, it is it is true. Yeah, it's, it's definite. It is good though. It's uh, the same, but it's very important for people to understand. Yeah. It's not easy. That's why I was, you know, we could only get down there for five days. Five days is a long way away, long way from the family. But when we're there, we're really not there for all that yeah. long to try yeah. and make it happen. Um, 100%. So it's all about putting in the time. But uh, awesome, mate. Appreciate your time for jumping on the Savo. No good chat. It was a good trip as well. Thanks for catching up down there. Yeah. Um, next time I come down, we might get to the Grampians or head across to some other lakes a little bit wider, further yeah. away from home and explore them. <laughs> yeah awesome mate awesome mate thanks heaps Thank um you. any last words or or happy i think we've covered it pretty well i reckon <laughs> thanks for having awesome. me um what's your instagram tag uh anglers australia anglers australia if you're looking to see some uh uh content on some of our pirate trips and what we've got coming up in the summer so if you're if you're on instagram give us a follow it'd be, be awesome to have you awesome Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Say bye.
And there you have it, another cracking episode. And I just want to say a huge thanks to Chris for jumping on board, sharing his knowledge inside all the content that we created on our trip down to the Crater Lakes for all of our SF members, but also for sharing his knowledge in this podcast and giving up his time for a chat. Now, as I mentioned throughout that episode, we have, I said the trip report was coming. The trip report is now available. I'm back home. This podcast is coming out for the October, sorry, long weekend. So if you're on the road, hopefully you enjoy this or if you're sitting around a campfire, hopefully you enjoy this listen. But if you want information on those Crater Lakes and Wendery, because we visited Lake Wendery, Beat, and Bull and Merai, the trip report is now available inside the Social Fishing Membership. Now, if you're new to our podcast, make sure you head to our website, check out all of our content, go back and listen to all the other episodes that interest you. And if you've never heard me talk about it before, the Social Fishing Membership is where we create incredible in-depth content, including reports, maps, and heaps of how-to videos on freshwater fishing. So if you're on a journey like I was many years ago, learning how to catch cod, yellows, trout, the whole lot, We are here to help you and I promise you, you will learn so much inside the platform. You'll also meet some amazing and incredible anglers. That is inside socialfishing.com.au. Check out the membership there. A little bit of an overview while we're here on what is happening at the minute. It's October. The long weekend is here. We're about to hit daylight savings and things are really starting to warm up. Trout and yellows, the next month is probably one of the best months of the year to fish other than autumn. I would prefer autumn for the the river cod. But outside of chasing river cod in uh, April and May, this would be the best month because things have just really warmed up now. Fish are active, whether it's trout in your river systems. Obviously, trout season opens today, so you can get out there and chase them now. In New South Wales rivers, Victorian rivers have been open for a month. Your lake trout are still quite happy. Give it another four to five weeks of warm weather, they will push deeper and you'll need to pretty much troll for them. And our yellows, they're just between the shallows and getting deeper and starting to school and starting to fire and it's just, it's all systems go. So if you're listening to this podcast and it's a long weekend or it's still October of 2023, get out there and get into it because we have amazing weather without this rainfall that we had for the last three years. In saying that, the land is dry but a lot of our lakes and rivers are quite happy after having three years of floods, high water. We had Pretty poor conditions for yellows last year with the cold temperatures, but this warmer weather, they are absolutely loving. And it's going to be a crack at October. So that's it for me. If you want more updates, I do a weekly update inside the membership where I give you my insights into what's going on, what's happening. I look at the weather and I run through exactly what days are the best days to be fishing that week. And the best thing is I do that every single week. So no matter when you're going fishing, you can log on and check out the weekly update for that week. That goes up on a Tuesday around midday or yeah, sort of late morning to midday on a Tuesday. Anyway, once again, thank you, Chris, for jumping on board, sharing that content. Make sure you head over to Anglers Australia on Instagram. Give them a follow uh, to follow along with Chris and Lockie's adventures and all the stuff that goes on there from the salt to the fresh all down in Victoria and wherever they travel to. So that's from me thank you very much for tuning in and listening to another episode of the podcast the next one not sure what it'll be on might be trout might be yellows but we've got some exciting stuff to come this spring all of the content that we filmed from Beat and bull and merai there's videos from all of that they will be going up in the membership the maps will be going up in the membership and i've also just returned home from chaffee so i've got a little video and maps from chaffee and we're about to hit the road again and go visit some more places this spring dartmouth dam with matt mildren 
mapping and fishing and we're also looking to get to Lake Jindabyne. So exciting stuff. So if you want to follow all of our adventures, all the content and more importantly, if you want to learn, jump on socialfishing.com.au and check out the SF membership. That's enough from me. Once again, my name is Reese Creed and you've been listening to the Social Fishing Podcast.